morning, everyone. Happy New Year. It's great to see you guys. Feeling good? I'm feeling great. I'm feeling young and vibrant and alive. Before I forget, I just want to say hello to everybody online. I want to say hello to everybody out in the tent and in the chapel. I'm often forgetting about you, and I apologize. I'm glad you're joining us online. Um, I want you to pray with me for two things. Um, some of you already know that uh, Pastor Ray Bentley went home to be with the Lord uh, this week, and uh, uh, another victim of COVID. And, uh, you know, he has been such a pillar in this community, uh, brought Billy Graham several times to San Diego, and uh, he was a student of mine uh, when he and Vicki came up to the Bible college that I was directing at the time. And, and so it's, it's a huge loss, not only for the San Diego community, but a huge loss for Maranatha Chapel and for uh, the Bentley family like to pray for them, but also pray for a little girl named Layla. Um, she is also a victim of COVID, but she was just born. And she's in the NICU just struggling for her life. And, um, and uh, of course, we all know many, many people who... Uh, have Omicron right now, and thankfully many, many people are experiencing just a bad cold, uh, but there's this occasional person, and I know of another person that just hit him like a ton of bricks. So we're going to just pause. Um, you know, the Bible doesn't say uh, when you get to heaven, you'll be rewarded for how right you were. <laughs> Isn't that funny? We think that that's how we win, you know, like, I'm going to be so right, and we're so right about so many things. Um, but what it does say in the separation of the sheep and the goats, uh, inasmuch as you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. And he names the least of them, the hungry, uh, the sick, the lonely. Just And uh, so if you yourself fall into the category of the least of these, uh, welcome, you're, you're, you're among brethren here. So let's take a moment to pray. Father, we do, uh, hearts go out to Maranatha Chapel, to Vicki, to the Bentley family. And God, we would just ask that you would love on them, uh, surround them uh, with your presence, fill them with your love in the lonely hours. And then as a church, they try to adapt uh, to the loss of a pastor, God, we pray that you fill them with wisdom and what you want for the next generation uh, at Maranatha in San Diego. You would do that, Lord. And then for this little girl, Layla, we pray that you would heal her, that Jesus, you would just stretch forth your hand and give her life, that you would chase this uh, virus out of her system and uh, that you would give her strength and uh, encourage the parents we pray and then now Lord for our, our own lives 
not only protect us and keep us healthy, but for those that we know or family, friend, friends that we know that are sick right now, that you would visit them and heal them. We pray that you would rid this land of this plague, uh, the planet of this plague, and, uh, and the nonsense that it has created. And uh, that, um, that there would be a revival. Uh, the church returning to you and uh, huge numbers of people turning to you in these days. And now we invite you into this room and to be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, ten years ago, I began a journey that you weren't aware of. Uh, but nevertheless, I began the journey because I turned the horrible old age of 60. I know that some of you are already uh, past that threshold, but uh, you know, for me, I just remember when I turned 40 and the black balloons that showed up in my uh, uh, mailbox, and I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm almost dead. And, uh, and then, of course, when you turn 60, you definitely are almost dead, you know. You barely got a pulse, and... Uh, and, you know, even looking back just a few years ago when I had hair, I don't know what happened. So, you know, the last 10 years have not been good to me. But uh, I uh, asked myself the question, what, what now, now that I'm 60? And I looked around the country to churches that I knew uh, that uh, I didn't think had thought well about the next generation it seemed like there was either a, a, a dominant, charismatic pastor that would just not let go, you know, and just still kicking in the coffin, trying to, you know, and, and, and then there was other times that I saw a succession uh, pulpit committee uh, decide they're going to take over, and they, you know, here's an accountant and a, uh, uh, a plumber looking for a pastor, and, and what did they know about what they were looking for? And so I, I saw just a few good models of succession. So I didn't know what that would look like. But I decided, you know what? I want for our church to have a really awesome succession. And what would that look like? So this is what I did. It was my own plan. And I shared it with the board of directors at the time. I said, I want to take three years uh, to see if my successor is in the house and then I want to if, if he's not I want to take the next three years to see where he is you know where in the world he is and uh, so then I want to take the last three or four years to walk with that person and so that they know everything I know and they've walked through everything that I've been walking through. So I've been doing that for the last nine years. And as you know, this last September, I turned 70. Now I'm really old, you know. Uh, people, uh, I mean, those of you that are one day going to get old, you need to know what people do to you. When you <laughs> I mean, they come up onto the at right cold turkey on the street. Mark, how are you? I said, well, I'm fine. And that, 
what have you been doing? Well, I, out in the water. You still surf? Oh, my gosh. You still pastor? Oh, my gosh. And, uh, you know, t- talk about prejudice, <laughs> right? <laughs> so now you know what we go through. But uh, um, over these last 10 years, uh, these last 30 years, I've tried to build a church that was unique in some ways. Because I, 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 I'm not a play church kind of guy. It's just not me. Um, so I didn't want to build a, a, a consumer-based church. A consumer-based church is where people come into church and say, well, I don't know. I don't like this. I, I don't like that. I don't, you know, that's, it's like you get to choose between stores that you go through. That's consumer. Um, I didn't want to build a Sunday-based church where the Sunday church is a show. And we all go, I wasn't that good. We, we talk about this being the locker room, right? This is not the show. We're training you to be effective Christians on the playing field. Um, we wanted to build a church that wasn't just a, you get converted, check the box, and now you just sit around for 30 years waiting for heaven. Uh, that you, you get converted now you are on the journey of being transformed, sanctified, and you get to reach out to others. And we didn't want to create a church, and this is key, that was just a one-man church. And think, you have, you have churches in your mind across the nation that are one-man churches. So I wanted to build a team because I felt like that was a healthier church. And I have to say, for the 30 years that I've been here, uh, you guys are amazing. You know, it's working. <laughs> um, you guys don't come here uh, where I'm just trying to force feed you. You suck the word of God out of me. <laughs> you, you know, you're amazing. So this journey has been going on. And so now, the point of today is I'm inviting you to join me on the journey of succession. Um, nine from, months from now, I'm going to hand the lead pastorship of this church over to Ryan Pfeiffer. Come on! <laughs> Yeah, so what that means is that, that Ryan and I have been working and doing this for three years together. It's just in this last year, really, really, because I wanted to hand it off a year ago, but uh, COVID came along, whatever. And uh, <laughs> so um, he's more than ready. So this is the way this is going to go, that for the next year, nine months, uh, Ryan and I are flying in the cockpit together. And we're sharing everything. And, and, um, but come September, uh, we're going to have a commissioning of Ryan. And we're going to pray for him. Uh, he's going to be here on stage with every, all of us. Uh, not all of you, but the, the <laughs> pastors laying hands 
on Ryan, asking, just like New Testament church, for the Holy Spirit to anoint him for the next 30 years of what God has in store for this church. And, uh, and then, either that night or another night, we're going to just have a party. We're going to celebrate what God has done for 30 years here. This church is 46 years old. I've only had a part for 30 years. We're going we're to celebrate and consider that a celebration of the last 30 years, but a celebration of where this is going. Because I don't think we've seen the best yet. I think the best is yet to come. So this is the way I have done it. That, that I, I think of discipleship in, in four stages. I do it. You watch. Moms, think about your kids. This is how we do it. I do the dishes. You watch. Now, some moms get stuck there, right? <laughs> You're still doing them, and they just still watch you. Uh, but as I do the dishes, you watch. I, I do it. You help me. You do it. I help you. And now, Ryan and I are moving into the last phase, which is you do it, and I watch. Because I'm naturally lazy. <laughs> so, um, and finally, you're going to ask me, well, Mark, what, what are you going to do? Well, first of all, once I hand it off to Ryan, I'm going to take a sabbatical. And it, um, I don't like that word. It sounds so religious. Like, I, I'm just going to chill out and allow Ryan uh, to get the feel of, of lead pastor. But then... I'm going to come out of sabbatical, and I'm going to be on staff. I'm not retiring. I hate that word. <laughs> so I'm just refiring, and, and I'm going to come back, and, and I'll teach right here one-fourth of the time. I will mentor pastors on staff and mentor other pastors I have relationships with in San Diego and I will continue to mentor partners that we have and and Nick does a phenomenal job as well these partners that we have around the world um, and then I'm going to do some writing uh, while I still have a brain <laughs> and uh, put some thoughts down that I haven't put in in writing yet and and so I'm going to still be here, um, but the big thing I'm looking forward to is being a grandpa here. You know, some of you are my children in the faith. I've seen you come to Christ. I've seen you grow up, but I want to be here when you have children. I want to be here when you give Christ to somebody else and bring them here. And I want to see this church go into its next phase uh, rather than just leave and not, not see all of this. So I'm looking for, forward to this time, and as I'm sure you are, but what I'd really like to do at this time is invite Ryan to come up and share some thoughts with you. Proud 
Well, should I start? Okay, I'll start this time. Yeah. Well, I got, I got a memory, actually, I want to share with you guys that you may not know. There was a moment when uh, I'd asked Mark to speak at one of our student gatherings at UCSD. So I picked him up, was driving him down. He preached and just knocked it out of the park. The guy can still talk to college students. When we were driving back, we were uh, just chatting. He goes, you know, um, would you consider preaching in three days at our church? And that just says something about Mark. Three days from now, you want me to preach? Just show up? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Okay, so there it was. And that was the beginning of a beautiful relationship. I didn't want to give you too much warning. (laughs) (laughs) It was the beginning of a beautiful relationship, not only between you and I, Mark, but between me and you. Yeah. And from that moment on, Mark regularly started inviting me back to teach because I didn't burn the church down. So he's like, all right, let's bring him back again and again. And, um, but I want to share with you a particular memory that I have. Bef- right before I got hired on staff, I, um, I was backstage getting ready to come out for just another regular weekend teaching. Mm. And same behind those black curtains, I don't know how to explain it as just a real spiritual experience. The Holy Spirit just came on me and just filled my heart with a love for you. Mm. Now, I know this sounds weird to you because you're like, wait, wait, Ryan, I wasn't even there. How can you say you love me? It's sort of a pastor, spiritual leader thing. I don't know how to explain it, but there was this sort of supernatural impartation of love for this church. Mm. It, it kind of caught me off guard. It, it wasn't the message I was going to teach. My eyes just, just started to well up with tears that I couldn't control. They're streaming down my face. I still remember having to walk out here and, you know, teach and just get my composure and just wipe that away. And people could see. And I was like, ah, don't worry about it. Just something between God and I. But even in that moment, I didn't know it because we weren't having these conversations right then. But God was preparing my heart for you. Hmm. And listen, let me tell you something right now that I know and that you're probably thinking. There's no way in the world that I can fill this, this guy's shoes. I know that. I, but what, this is what God's given me to do. God's given me to fill my shoes and to be true to the love that he has poured into my heart for you. And I vow to just love you with the love of God that God has put into me for you. And I want you to know that something has happened between me and Jesus, between me and you. And I am just so excited to lead beside the incredible team that Mark has formed. So don't worry there's an amazing team that I, I'll be in leadership with. They got Nick right up here. You got Willie. You've got, you still got Bob. You got Uncle Bob. Bob's going to be there. And it's this plurality of leadership that really I think is so special about this church. And I'm so excited and I'm confident because of that grace. That's right. That is our church. So, yeah. That's yeah. all I got to say. Yeah. Yeah. You set so, me up well. So one of the things I was looking for uh, was uh, two, two categories. One was giftings and one was uh, quality of life, character. And uh, I knew in terms of gifts, I knew Ryan to be a, a wonderful teacher of the word of God. And that's really, really important to me. I, you know, I know I'm, I'm kind of like Mr. Professor 
but I needed someone who was going to really give you the word of God. And, but I also wanted someone that, that was an evangelist, because you'll know, just unexpected, I'll just feel the urge, and I'll put out the net and ask for a show of hands, and I ne- needed someone who was going to be an evangelist here in the pulpit. But then I needed someone who was going to be a leader of leaders, and you haven't seen Ryan behind the scenes, but he's, he's a very humble leader that brings the best out in other leaders, I think in a way that, that's, that's better than I do. And, um, but I also know the character of his, his life, and, uh, and he's the real deal. And the reason I know that is because I know his wife. <laughs> Stacy, would you stand? And could I have the kids stand as well? I first met Stacy at the foot of Mount Soledad Cross, and she was gathering a rally there to protect the cross. Remember those days? And, uh, and she was one of the key people that kept the cross there. And in front of every OK guy is a phenomenal woman. <laughs> And Ryan, you married up. <laughs> Thank you, Stacy. So what I'd like to do is just remind you that, uh, number one, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not retiring. Uh, number two, um, uh, we're going to have a big celebration in September. And <laughs> you got it? <laughs> And uh, we're going to commission this guy. And then this year is just a fun year where we're finalizing this phase of transition that you didn't know was going on, but now the cat's out of the bag. And, and so we're going to go on this journey together for nine months, and then I'm just going to take a sabbatical and, uh, and watch from a distance what God is doing, come back and uh, be one of the pastors on staff. But... Before we actually get into the Word of God this morning, because I still have a snippet of a message for you, uh, I'd like to pray for this guy. Lord, we thank you. Can you just pray with me? Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in Ryan and Stacy's life and in all of our lives. And we as a church, we just are filled with expectation. There is life beyond COVID, and there is the kingdom of God, and there is... uh, the gospel and I thank you God that you have raised up Ryan for such a time as this Uh, and we pray God for him for Stacy and for this church that everything that's in your heart you would do Lord we as a church dare to follow you Jesus as as radical as you are we dare to follow you into the next generation and so come lord come upon this church come upon ryan to do all that's in your heart we pray in jesus name and everybody said amen Amen. (laughs) ah so good so good 
So uh, I'm looking at the time and I'm realizing that um, we've got a few minutes left. And so let me tell you what I would have said had I had the time to say it. Uh, if you have a Bible, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll just spend a few moments here in the Word of God because we all need to be fed. And this will apply to our lives and what's happening here in this church. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, uh, Paul is writing to his Ryan, Timothy. And he says, be, be then... You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. The first thing I want you to see here is that he tells us to be strong in the grace Oh, if there was ever a time the church needed to be strong in the grace. Not grace alone, but the grace. What is the grace? The grace is the, the grace, the undeserved love and favor that you received from Jesus Christ. That day that you decided as the prodigal son, the prodigal daughter... What am I doing? I'm an idiot. I'm wasting my life away on nothing that can satisfy me. And you turned around and you marched on your way home. And instead of finding a God who was ready to judge you, a God that was tapping his foot with his arms crossed and shaking his head like this and saying, oh, so you think you can just come back into the church with all of your sin? That's not what you received. You received a God that saw you down the road and came running and he grabbed you and he kissed you. And now he says, I want you to be strong in that grace. It hasn't changed. You're still an idiot. You still sin and you need to be strong in the idea that God so loved you he gave you, his only son, and you believed. Therefore, you have eternal life. But then he's saying, now be strong in that grace towards other people. I've never seen a time in my 50 years of ministry where the church is so judgmental about everything. Like the one who is the most opinions wins. I mean, we are so right and opinionated about... How did this happen? Oh, my gosh. We need to be strong in love. Nobody's very good here. We are not amazing. God is not going to thank you when you get to heaven for blessing heaven's door. Let's stay strong in the grace and the love of Jesus. And remember that when Jesus sat with sinners, remember, the Bible tells us he would have lunch with sinners. 
And they were tax collectors. The IRS. <laughs> government. He would have lunch with people in the government. Darn government. He would have lunch with prostitutes. That's kind of the lowest of the low, right? Selling your body. But who is bad in the story? Who's bad in the story is the Pharisees that are judging Jesus. You look at Jesus over there. Jesus was not only strong in the grace, he was the personification of grace. So, I could preach a whole sermon there, but I need to move on to verse 2. And the things you have heard in me, you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will be able to be qualified to teach others. This is the long game of Christianity that you and I have to wrap our heads around if we're going to do it Jesus' way. We live in a time that practices short-range Christianity. George Harrison, I just thought of this right now. This is a Mark moment. Uh, what was the song he wrote? Me, my... What was it? Three... My, me, mine. Was that right? I, me, mine. I, me, mine. And that was the 60s. Imagine how we are now. Everything is... I mean mine, I mean mine, I mean mine. So when we come into church, we practice an I mean mine Christianity. It better be a good sermon. Well, I didn't like that. Did you like that? I, and, and, and then it, it's got to be a blessing that fixes me now. And, and now I, I'm showing up the next week. It better be a blessing that fixes me now. There isn't the sense of a long-range Christianity. It's an existential me in the now. It's me now, me now. You know what me now is? It's a French fry. I, I love French fries. It's just so good and so bad for me. But it's, it's, it's in the now. But Jesus has a long range. Here it is. He has a long range view of spirituality. Buckle up. That goes beyond you. It goes beyond your feelings. It goes beyond your blessing. It goes beyond your knowledge. It goes, it goes beyond you. It goes beyond your death. Yeah. And all of Christianity for 2,000 years has known this, except for the last two generations. Think of it. Jesus did it with the disciples. Moses did it with Joshua. Elijah did it with Elisha. Paul did it with Timothy. This would be a time for a good picture. There it is. And Jesus did it with the disciples. We have to think beyond me. Who am I? investing in to extend the truth of the gospel and the love of Jesus into someone else's life. That is true Christianity. Think of it this way. Think about the cathedrals that have been built over the last few centuries. 
it's, it's a great example of what God is doing here at North Coast Calvary. So the long-range view of Christianity is to build a cathedral on the average took 250 to 300 years. How'd you like to be the project manager of that? (laughs) Your job as project manager is to find the next project manager. And his job is to find her, and her job is to find, because this is going to take a while. The longest cathedral we know of took 668 years to build. As you know, they're, they're reconstructing Notre Dame, but I, I'm sure it looks something like this without the cranes hundreds of years ago. Building, building. Now, for us, we don't have time for that. Let's just meet in a garage, whatever, you know. But it's a great view of how we're building a long-range Christianity that's going to keep going beyond me. For me, I ran track. And uh, it was a big deal to me in my teenage years. And uh, what I loved most was the relay, the relay race. Because it was so challenging. Within the 10 yards that you have, you have to get the baton passed off. And the more, so you got to get it securely in their hand. But, and you have to slow down just enough to make sure you got it. But if you slow down too much, you're going to lose the race. But here's the beauty. Four people can run a race so much faster than one. Think of it. How fast can you run the mile? I'm sure you're amazing. Uh, Let's say you can still run, not a fast, but let's just say a five-minute mile. You can still run a five-minute mile. My question for you is, can you run that for four miles? And if I told you, no, this is a four-mile race, then how do you adjust? Well, you probably slow down and you run like a seven or eight-minute per mile. And so it ends up being a 30 to 32-minute mile. But if you had four guys that could still run five-minute miles... You do it in 20 minutes because you're just that fast. It's the way we often don't think about our faith. I'm just thinking about me, about me and Jesus, and I'm thinking about me and Jesus just now. So here's my challenge for you as we go into this this last lap of transition is for you to join me in this and for you to think about in your own life. Well, how does my faith extend beyond me? So here's two, two people to think about. Who am I investing in? For parents, this is real easy. Your kids are a good place to start. But you probably already have some friends or neighbors or relatives that you're saying, you know what? Let's, let's begin investing in them. And then I'd like you to look the other way and say, is there a person like Timothy had Paul and, and Ryan's had me? Is there a person that you would say, could you spend some time with me? I've admired your life. 
And I would love for you to invest yourself into me. And what would that look like? And we begin to build a Christianity here in North Coast County that is so big and huge that it's Jesus beyond you and it's Jesus beyond me. So are you guys ready for this uh, next chapter? Just a little bit? It's radical Christianity. This is, this is New Testament Christianity. This is Jesus and disciples 101. I hope you're ready. Let's stand and pray. Father, I feel just right now like Elisha following Elijah around, asking for a double portion. God, we don't think we've reached the high water mark of spirituality in San Diego. Far be it. God, we pray for a fresh outpouring of your spirit upon us. We pray that you would change us from a, being a me now Christian to an us then, where we extend beyond the borders of self and beyond the boundaries of this moment into other people's lives. We humbly submit the leadership transition in this church to you. We thank you for your faithfulness there. But we now submit all of our lives to you. That whatever succession plan that you would have for us, that you would lead and guide us and you'd show us how to invest our lives into the lives of others, we pray in Jesus' name.